Welcome to Talking in Stations. It's a podcast about EVE Online recorded live on Twitch, Saturdays, 1500 UTC. I am your host, Matterall, from Dice Corporation, NC Dot, and from INN, Imperium News. And today we're going to talk about the conflicts happening around the Providence area, most specifically the Keepstar battle that happened a few days ago, where the Keepstar was destroyed. Uh, that would have been Provi's first Keepstar. We'll talk about that with some of the participants and the other stuff that's going around in that area, which is the south of the EVE Online map. So welcome to the show. Let's introduce our guest today from top to bottom. How are you doing, Carneros? Good morning. Great. Carneros from the Bastion. Hey, what's up? It's Dirk McGurk from uh, Snickerdly and Pandemic Legion and co-host of the Open Com Show. Good morning, Eve. Oh. Don't tinkle with brave newbies. Sorry about that. <laughs> I like the backwards salute. That's funny. Uh, Ian Tan here from the CSM and uh, member of the member of CVA. Uh, Killer B. Yeah, Killer B from Pandemic Legion FC. Awesome, thanks, guys. All right, so let's uh, get started here. Uh, clearly, there were some things that were going on in the southern area where a lot of people seem to be amassed, and by a lot of people, I mean the Imperiums down there in the Delve uh, Tri region. And, uh, and that's period basis and Aquarius. Then you also have uh, people who moved in not long ago, uh, CO2 and test. Uh, and Providence has always been there. Uh, so those those powers are there. And then finally you have uh, Brave that also moved in and uh, has been hanging out with, um, I guess, their old friends test because they were in Hero Coalition uh, a couple of years ago. So there's a lot of people in this dense area. And uh, funny enough, somebody decided to put down a keep star in Providence. And for those of you that don't know the nature of Providence, maybe we can talk a bit about what Providence is to EVE Online and uh, why it's uh, popular. Maybe we should start with Jin Tan, who is yeah. from CVA. Why don't you tell us about Providence? Uh, yeah, so Providence is a, basically it's a group that's different that uh, plays the game a little differently to how everyone else in the game plays it um, most people watching this probably operate under nbsi and what that means is that if something is not blue to you you will shoot it seems like a fairly normal way to play the game and it's generally considered to be the simplest way to do it but instead of that providence goes under the um i suppose the operating method of nrds which is not red, don't shoot it. What that means is that by default, everyone in the game is not to be shot. Whereas with NBSI, everyone in the game is default to be shot. I think it's pretty easy. It's uh, not blue, shoot it. So if it's not an ally, kill it. Yeah. And, you know, that leads to a lot of, that leads to a very interesting kind of um, political landscape within Providence as well. Um, because there's no reason for you to stay with a blue entity specifically. Um, it leads to a lot more um, kind of internal splintering. It leads to a lot of smaller groups moving in. So you end up with like, I could name off the top of my head, like 15 alliances and we all live in one region. Like that's pretty ridiculous. It's, it's a very interesting place to live. Yeah. Why, well, I guess I should say why, why Pravi? Um, I mean, there's an element of, of role-playing that is associated with Pravi Block and that sort of thing. Well, um, it's 
it's Amar, right? Like the, they're the Amar holders is how, what they consider themselves. And if you look in lore, and let's go back to very basics here, you have four empires. One of them is kind of a religious empire. And of the religious empire, there's kind of an aristocracy of people who own big holdings of territory. And so Providence is adjacent to that empire. And so players are role-playing owning giant swaths of territory and being noblemen, basically, kind of in a medieval sense of these oh. areas. Uh, clarification. No, we are not being noblemen. That would be blasphemy uh, to <laughs> attempt to go and hold lands um, without them being officially recognized by the empress or emperor. Um, because the empress and the emperor are the only person who, de who can declare you a holder, which is you know, making you a land-holding noble. But, well, um, that's yeah. just a matter of RPing it, isn't it? Look, I have this letter from the Empress. Yeah, but that's like, that's generally been considered to not be a thing. Like, you don't get to control um, the Empress. That's like, because she is actually role-played by people within CCP, you do mm -hmm. not get to godmod at the Empress and say, the Empress totally, res totally recognizes me 100%, promise governor. I will okay. point out that Tybus Hath was right that Amar is terrible people. Yeah. Tybeth Tybeth Hath being a fictional character uh in What are you talking about line. sir? I have a medal <laughs> okay. pinned on my chest from Tybus Hath for the glory of the Kaldari militia and he's coming back one day to save <laughs> us all. Now, these are characters from a book called The Empyrean Age which was written in 2008 about um Yvonne Line and uh, some of these characters are uh fill in the backstory and players kind of take their notes from that. And uh, yeah. So you're delusional uh, dunk, but you're right. You might but, come back. But Pro Pravi has been inhabited by, by, I want to say people associated with this entire thing for as long as I can remember, I don't know when it began, but it has just always, I mean, you know, Pravi, Pravi is Providence is this, is this homeland for a lot of these folks that, you know, so for a long time, yeah, like it, it started very, very much at the start of the game, really. Um, even before alliances exist, uh, existed, the core uh, groups of CVA, which was the Legion of Spoon, uh, Imperial Guardians, and Imperial Dreams, all lived within Providence. Um, and they fought like the nascent uh, Ushrakar just over the in the area. Um, but, you know, we have been kicked out a couple of times, I think twice by AAA. No, I think NC Dot moved you out the second time. Yes. Oh, yeah, that is right. I remember that. That was awful. You guys, like, held on to North Provy for a long time as well. Yeah, sorry. Gave it the evoke. North Provy. <laughs> I know, right? Left them with the south side. Yeah, where all the oil well, on, a, on, a, on a practical gameplay thing, as someone who's lived next to Provy for a few times, it's always a place you can go, roam up there, you're going to get a fight, they'll form... They don't hesitate to fight back. Um, it's, a, it's a good neighbor to have. They're not super aggressive, um, but it is fun if you want to go room up for a fight. They're up for a good fight. Arranged fights happen all the time. Um, and then there's times when we have a common enemy you can form up with CVA. And uh, so it's, it's good to be next to CVA for fun, good just gameplay. Yeah. And uh, what's interesting about Pravi, as far as what Dirk was trying to get to, is it's always been a place where new people can enter in and relatively... A safe environment because they're not shot instantly almost everywhere else you just get killed if you enter in if you're you kill on site everywhere else in Pravi, you can actually go in there and you're considered okay until you break the law and then you're kill on site and so it's always been a place where you can go and find people who are less experienced than you for that reason and so people will vacation there so after a war 
a group will go into Pravi because Pravi always fights back and they're not always the most elite and they're not bad, but they're not mo the most elite because those guys will, you know, get recruited into the, um, I don't know, the bigger alliances, let's just call it. So you're always going there to fight a good fight that you can possibly win if you're like, you know, a pretty good alliance. So that means that it becomes the little brother of Eve and everybody kind of, um, you know, rolls into town, knocks over a few trash cans uh, and uh, starts trouble there. So the backdrop of today's uh, show is that in this environment, you have what's coming ahead, which is um, the changeover of stations that is going to happen uh, probably this winter. And probably because it's been around and people build a lot there, has a station in pretty much every system, which means it's going to be a valuable place to take over, at least for a flashpoint, uh, to capture all that territory, to capture those stations. When they change over, become valuable, you take all that treasure out. Um, so we we know that it's being watched uh, as a place of a great wealth potential, at least for one moment. And in drops a keep star. Well, yeah, and I just want to back up a little bit here. I, I, you know, I think that that view of what may or may not happen with Pravi related to the changeovers and faction Fortizars and all that kind of thing in the future uh, is not why the forces that are down there now that are near Pravi um, are, are are there, right? There's, you know, there's a bunch of content going on down there, you know, that I wouldn't say is related to this thing off into the future. Um, so let's not kind of conflate the two, I guess. So this Keepstar, how does it get funded? That's the where we start. Uh, well, I, I think I linked you to it, but it is a it was a um, crowdfunded Keepstar. It was something that a bunch of people wanted to just put money into, and it was all done under the guise of Colette Zardina, who is a uh, very old school member of Probably. Mm -hmm. And he collected, uh, it looks like two hundred forty-one billion uh, from various players. A couple players donated forty-five billion each, and there's about. Uh, 70 people that donated over time. This has been going on since December 19th. Uh, and they're not just from Pravi. They're from other places as well. They could be alts of other people and that, but it's... I it's, think we had at least one donation from someone in Spectre which was quite funny. Yeah, I think I noticed a few that were outside of Pravi. Um, it might be that they moved out of Pravi. And we also did a breakdown of what alliances they came from and stuff. And really the majority, maybe like 23 of them, were from CVA. So it definitely was a Pravi-centered endeavor. Yeah, definitely. But you know, it's um, it was an it's an interesting way to fund a Keepstar. I'd have preferred it uh, be done through some form of more like alliance uh, alliance or coalition-centric stuff. But mm -hmm. hey, it worked. You know, it got it got the money together. So can't be that mad, I suppose. So yeah. it got it got funded. It got built. Where did the decision come in as to as to um, now in the grand scheme of things? was the time to lay this down. Uh, Colette Zardina poked me and said, we're putting it down now. And I was like, all right, well, okay. Um, so I will point out that's not the only group that's ever uh, placed their uh, large structures that way. Well, I was, I was saying, and it's a battle report coming out on Imperium News that I just wrote. It should be coming out right about now. Uh, so look for it in the next few minutes. And I think from FanFest, there was 34 keep stars in existence. Uh, that had been anchored successfully. That was uh, a few months ago. So I imagine there's even more now. So let's say there's 45 or dozens, basically. So this is not unusual to do. Um, 
what was unusual is this is Pravi with two great powers in the area, both within one uh, midpoint away. Uh, so it was a kind of a risky move. So to do it in silence was a risk that they almost got away with. Uh, when did it get discovered? Uh, and Killa B, who's FC for PL, might be able to tell us, like, when did you guys hear about it first? About two hours before the anchoring process was done. A little bit more than two hours. I think it was more like three, probably. So I'm seeing his mic light up. Oh, he talked. We could hear him. Um, so did you, were you surprised that there was a keep star and it only had two hours to go? I mean, we, we didn't expect probably to drop one. So yeah, it was kind of a surprise, but I, I, I basically got scouted. Somebody reported it and I was like, all right, well, you know, let's kill it. That's basically uh, <laughs> That's, how you That's about the whole thought process, right? Like, yeah, is it keep star onlining. Let's kill it. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of like the the new Titan, isn't it? Like uh, it's it, this used to be what what happened for you know people would really gather to go kill a Titan like in a big way. Now it's a little more commonplace, but it seems like this is the new uh, you know there's this thing that we're gonna go do and it's gonna it's gonna affect people. Yeah, I guess, and I mean a Titan kill can still be exciting. It always depends the the. the circumstances right like if it's for example a titan of someone that you don't like say or if it's a titan of some famous fc of some alliance it's always more fun to kill than just some random titan some random line member that you know even though his alliance leadership told him not to move decided to move anyways and then gets killed it's kind of boring those kind of kills but if it's like uh maybe they fail jumped into a fight instead of bridging it's it's more exciting even though it's still just a titan but it's just more fun because of the circumstances. And it's the same with Keepstars, right? Like that one Keeps that we killed in somewhere in drones, JU-something, that was just so boring because it was some renters that dropped the Keepstar, we scouted it, we just went and killed it. It had like no meaning. It's like whatever, some renters Keepstar, nobody gives a shit about it, right? But this one was a little bit better, obviously, because we've been skirmishing with probably for a while and we were like, man, nice, they dropped the Keepstar for us. So it was kind of like... Uh, it was a little bit more fun than the average Keepstucker, I guess you could say, especially because we got a great fight of it too. Yeah. So let's talk about that fight. Uh, now that we've talked about how it got funded and dropped and it was basically a surprise. I thought it was kind of funny though, uh, that you guys had to send out a picture to say, look, we're, we're being serious here. There actually is a Keepstar. Look at the timer. Less than two hours. Well, uh, you know, you, you and I were sitting on comms in in talking in stations uh, Discord at the time, and uh, I said, "Oh, I said, oh, just got a ping. Oh, I got, apparently there's a uh, apparently there's a Keepstar that's coming out in 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 a couple hours," and uh, you're like, "Really?" And, and you're like, "Oh," and then and then you saw a ping from I think it was. Uh, Nice. from Vince and you're like oh maybe that's maybe that's the same thing and then I get another ping you know that has the picture of it like here in case you don't believe us yeah, for, for those non-believers I think it was yeah. so it was a big surprise uh and an hour was plenty of time to organize um although this was kind of at a weird time right like was there a strategy about when it came out I guess nobody can answer for the guy that put it down but it does he, he probably thought EU Prime best time to defend it Okay, yeah, that, that's that's pretty accurate. Like, mm -hmm. um, it was also a decision made with um, CO2 because CO2 we knew were going to be one of our biggest kind of like 
friendlies in the engagement. Okay, so there was coordination with allies prior to actually planting the thing. There was coordination between some allies, yeah. Just not as okay. many allies as there could have been. Because, like as I said earlier, the intent was to just kind of keep it secret, you know. Maybe hope that we can just sneak it online and then be, like, on no smug post on the forums or whatever. I feel so bad for Yin Tan having to defend the planning of this whole thing. It just he he's just tell, caught huh? up. He's just he's just caught up in the back end of it. Like what the fuck? And then he has to defend Pravi's actions here. So, I feel you, man. I feel you. <laughs> well, you you can you can tell he's slow walking the excuses and stuff, but it's fine. I think it was a great. It was one of the best battles uh, I've seen in a while, and we've seen some really good ones, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So oh, yeah, that was really entertaining. That was actually probably one of my one of my favorite fights this year. This one or the yeah, no, ironically, this one was like probably my one of like the Augur fight and this fight are probably somewhere in my top ten this year. I this, think this, really this, fight, this fight also kind of proved that uh, bombing is not dead. That uh, that's still uh, OP at this point. So maybe we could talk about that. It's OP again. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's not, certain... it's not bombing is not OP. What are you talking about? Change. What are you talking about? Bombing is not overpowered. Being a shit FC is underpowered. And that's what I did today to get like, that time to get bombed. Like, real talk. There's so many yeah. ways I could have not got bombed. But I just went, nah, fucking no. But it's very strong. It's just one change that made Bomber strong again, which uh, is the link change. Basically, when they changed the links from the off grid links to the on grid links, they changed the way the one info link uh, works that decreases your signature. Um, basically now it decreases your signature by I think it's like 20% less than before which basically is a 20% damage increase for bombers straight away that is oh true. interesting that's it basically what I there. as much to maelstroms though like maelstroms are always just going to die to bombs even with that old link they just died to like three waves well there's kind of a so let's go over the fight really quickly and then we can talk about some of the details of what it means to analyze the fight a little bit but um uh killer do you want to talk about like uh what happened and uh yeah can we start with you yeah okay that's fine uh basically we uh formed up and we noticed that the timing on the sinogemine system was very convenient for us and inconvenient for the others because it was very late like basically i think if we wouldn't have incapped it it would have finished anchoring like five minutes after the keeps was out of anchoring and starting to repair which is just obviously too late <laughs> so we just uh yeah. but we wanted to make sure that we have the means to escalate throughout the fight anyway so we decided to incap it and we just bridged all our fleets onto the Sinogemma, uh while test and provi were mostly sitting around on the keepster grid uh co2 wasn't in system at that point and then yeah, about, we just... the, about the um jammer actually Fun fact: There, we didn't have. Um, no one had. No one had thought to talk to the person whose system it was going to be in. I found out what system it was going to be dropped in the day of, and um, basically, we we realized that the iHub uh, in the system didn't even have the upgrade that you would need to put a Sinojammer online. So we had to sh we had to freight that in like an hour before the timer. Was that person formerly in Brave by any chance? No, no, he was not. <laughs> It's a bit. It was a bit of a bit of a clusterfuck. It does it? Does it make it makes me uh, feel for everyone in Brave? Mistakes okay. were made. Yeah, yeah. Go go ahead again, killer. Then we uh, just once the thing was in cap, we went onto the Keepstar grid where Test uh, was sitting tethered and CVA was uh, sitting tethered, and then Test made the. I don't know why every FC does it. Like Horde does that. I think I feel like it's a newbie FC mistake. 
I, I'm not sure how experienced that test FC was. It wasn't one of the better FCs in or more experienced FCs in test. It was some FC I've not heard a lot about anyways. Uh, so he made that made this take that a lot of newer FCs or unexperienced FC make where he just decided to perch up on like some random ping, like 200 above the structure with like two AHEC fleets just sitting there. Naturally, we just warped on top of them because, you know, that's they can't be more exposed. And then we just started like killing the Maelstroms really fast. CVA followed then up there uh, with their Abaddon fleet. And then we basically, NC Dot started engaging the CVA Abaddons while PL and Try, we continued killing the Maelstroms. It was just a waiting game though, because I basically, when they warped up to the perch and we followed them and spread tackle, I told the bomber FCs to just bomb the Maelstroms to death because we had so many bombers and DFC didn't know how to defend themselves against bombers, test one. So I knew that the Maelstroms were all going to die to the bomb run. So I basically talked uh, told the bomber FCs to just bomb them to death, and we were just waiting for that bomb run to happen because in tie die, and you know you want to set up your bomb run carefully. Took a while, so we killed some of the maelstroms on our own, and then the bomb run happened. All the maelstroms, well, like 98% of the maelstroms died, and uh, then we started focusing on uh, our attention onto the abaddons. While all that rolling with the maelstroms happened, we obviously had to make sure that the keeps are repairing. Uh, keeps uh, you know stays paused so we jumped in two dreadnoughts uh, on the keep star just to keep paused and put some damage onto it um which then probably warped their carrier fleet in on onto those two dreads 100 of them actually and started shooting those two dreads um and then we just dropped the uh, first half of our dread bomb onto those carriers and the cap fight started happening down at the keep star while we were still you know picking off the rest of the maelstroms and everything all right, let's let's stop right can there I, and talk ask, about this. Can, can Go ahead. Ask so, I mean, I've seen that technique before where you drop a couple of dreads right on the thing you don't want to pause the timer. Why do you think those things don't get killed? Or do the FCs just not notice what's going on? I mean, that's a tactic you guys have used several times successfully. I mean, yeah, if, you know, at that point, all the enemy subcap fleets and system were being held down at the ping where we were fighting the Maelstrom. So we knew there was nothing, well, we knew there was nothing else on grid that could deal with the dreads immediately. And we basically forced the reaction of uh, out of the enemies. Like either they had to bring in their caps or uh, or CO2 had to arrive, which you knew they wouldn't for a couple more jumps. CO2 was still like three or four jumps out at that point. Um, so we knew, okay, well, either probably brings the carriers onto grid now or the, the keeps are just going to stay paused, right? So we just forced the reaction out of uh, the enemies, basically. Uh, yeah, on on the whole tethering issue, that uh, that was a very specific problem, and that was due to uh, the FC of Test, who is a guy called Zit Static. Um, yeah, admittedly, not uh, the world's most experienced FC. Seems like a decent guy, um, but he allegedly robbed Imperial Guardians of like a shitload of money and stuff. So it's a corporation in Pravi. Yeah, yeah, um, a corporation in CVA. Um, so he was set personally read and personally read on all access lists, including the frenemies list that we had at the time. So he could, he personally couldn't anchor to the keep star, so he made the decision to uh, ping his fleet up instead because he thought that would be more safe. If I can't tether, none of you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm taking you all with me. No, it's a uh, uh, it's funny because if you watched a video of it, and there are videos of this fight, you can find them on Twitch. Um, yeah, the test fleet. There's the uh, defense fleets are kind of hanging around in perches above the keep star and the test fleet kind of flies away and then it flies back when it flies back that's when it's met 
uh, with NCPL that flies up to it and the uh, battleships, uh, the test battleships start fighting with the uh, NCPL T3s. And, uh, and that leads to what, what happened at that point, uh, Yintan, you were uh, FCing the Abaddons, which are the Amar battleships. Uh, you guys, did you jump over and try to help test when that, when that brawl started? Uh, yeah, our, uh, our plan was to go up there and basically take the subcap fight. Uh, as we thought, CO2 were a little closer than they actually were. Mm-hmm. So our plan was to go in there uh, and just see if we could uh, coordinate with the Maelstroms and just take down as many damnations. Like, if we could take out all of one fleet's damnations, uh, we figured that that would effectively take them out of the subcap fight, as we know that PL and NC are very, very hesitant to fight without boosts. Right, the command ships that boost everybody else. If you were to take those out, you would weaken the overall fleet composition. And you're saying that PLNC might have thought twice about the fight. Um, yeah, it would have made it a little easier for us to, you know, put our uh, bigger guns on them as well, because those things are obviously reducing their sig, increasing their tank, and uh, most importantly for that, increasing their evil. Because like when we got on grid, we were, you know, the maelstrom was almost entirely dead by that point. Um, so we were in the middle of a Maelstr- uh, sorry, a Macario fleet and two T3 fleets, and that meant that the TDs were pretty heavy on us by that point. And whilst we did try and... Uh... Tracking disruptors. Yeah, sorry. TD, yeah. Right. Uh, so it was it was very, very hard for us to lock and hit stuff. But yeah, we, we, we got close, we killed a couple of damnations, but we just didn't quite have enough subcaps to um, push through. So by, by the time you got there, uh, the Mealstorm's battleships from Tess were already bombed by Pandemic Horde's large bombing run? Um, not quite as they landed, but all of their logistics were dead, so they were evacuating the grid already. Hmm. So they are already backpedaling. They were trying to get out. Uh, and there was some talk about them warping the wrong way. Did anybody hear that? Uh, they 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 were a lot. They were burning towards a specific direction out of bubbles, um, but their ping scepter, which would have allowed them to warp away from the bombs, was 90 degrees to them. So they then had to. So it took them like a fucking long time to get into warp. So they just ate shit to the bombs instead. <laughs> they had to turn. <laughs> they got they got made fun of a little bit about that. Classic like... rookie mistake. <laughs> yeah, if you're. Um... Yeah, so then that happens. So the so test really gets sidelined pretty quick. Yeah, pretty know. much. Didn't feel uh, quick. Didn't feel quick because we were in some max tie dye at this point. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. Uh, but so they're out pretty fast because they got bombed pretty good, and they're about you know sixty seventy percent of them are dead. Um, then the fight starts to move back down to uh, the Keep Star, where these two dreads from PL are shooting the Keep Star which is what um, Killer was describing. And this is kind of when the capital fight starts, right? Yep. So uh, take us from there. So what happened then? Uh, so basically, um, the carriers from CVA landed on grid, and also at that time, the CO2 subcap fleet, uh, fleet arrived, and they started uh, working through our dreads that, the, that we dropped onto the CVA carriers. And then we were basically, well, we just do a lot of D-scans and we compare how many carriers die in comparison how many dreads die and we were not happy with the rate that the dreads were dying compared to carriers. So we decided we had to go down there with the subcaps to take the fire off our dreads, which worked pretty well because as soon as we landed down uh, at the uh, at the capital fight, the CO2 subcaps swapped off our dreads and started shooting our subcaps, which was a big chunk of DPS gun from the dreads. And also we started defanging 
the carriers by killing their fighters, which are pretty easy to kill now that CCP has hit them like three times or whatever, signature radio buffs and all that stuff. So um, yeah, we just kind of killed fighters and you know took some fire off our dreads and then the capital fight release just shifted into our favor. Uh, there was also around that time that CO2 dropped their own dreads in. CO2 had a dread bomb prepared as well, which was like, I don't know exactly how many dreads CO2 dropped, probably like 40 or something. And um, then when they did that, we jumped into remaining NCPL dreads and also called for Dry to jump in their dreads. And then we just, you know, it was just a pretty classic dread ball. Dreads kill dreads. And uh, we worked our way through the CO2 subcaps. Oh, also, it's probably quite important to mention that the reason why we only worked our way to the CO2 subcaps and not the CVA subcaps at that point was because when CVA followed us down to that capital brawl with their abatins, they got bombed by Horde and they took a lot of losses. I think they also almost lost all of their fleet to that bomb run. Um, uh, so we, we were. We, yeah, okay. So all the battleships died. So we were only left, basically, we were only left with the CO2 subcaps and then the remaining CVA caps and the CO2 dreads on grid. So we just shifted our focus of all the three subcap fleets we had onto the CO2 subcap fleet, which forced them off the grid really quickly, obviously, because they can't take that many losses. And then we just cleaned up the rest of the caps and then we killed the Keepstar. So that was your, that was your, and this is what's interesting about FCing in EVE Online. You have hundreds of guys fighting on a field. So it's like a giant football game or whatever. And there are strategic moves being called on the field about what to hit next. And the strategy unfolds. If you, if you take out this leg of the defensive fleet, that'll force these guys to focus this way. And it sounds like a lot of those decisions were being made. Uh, say again? <laughs> yes, I kinda... yes, that's what was happening, Madderall. Just say yes. <laughs> um, All right. No, but it's interesting that, the, that you guys are thinking strategically as the fight is going on on what to attack. And oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, of like course. Uh, when we warped down, our plan was to start putting our, you know, our battleship DPS on dreadnoughts because obviously that's something that's unironically like a lot easier for us, even under TTs, and we can soak a lot of losses from our abaddons just because we had a lot of dudes, and we figured that might help be able to turn the cap tide. We also had a like, we're also calling for some Armageddon's and Belgons to get in to really help turn it, but that never happened, just due to Tido. Yeah. yeah, you have to think that way. It's it's important because you can't really. I mean, there's different FCs in the game, right? So there's FCs that you know they. Uh, there's two actually two German FCs that played back in the day, uh, which were really famous for basically planning every single possible scenario before the fight actually happened, and then they always had a strategy ready for whatever happened, um, and they never really made any decisions in fight. They they always had a plan B, C, D ready for whatever might have happened. And that's that's one kind of style you could FC in, I guess. But I personally am more the I'm more like the flexible type of FC where I kind of evolve as the fight evolves. Like I just do whatever is best in that certain situation, which is why I have people like in the in our fleets we have people dedicated, which obviously they're also flying a regular ship, but what they also do while they fly their ship is they just, you know, make constant D scans of what's on grid. So we always know, okay, we've just lost five battleships. The enemy has lost six battleships. So right now we're trading favorably, but just a little bit favorably. So what can we do to change that? And then we come up with a way to change that. Maybe we have to pull more range. Maybe we have to uh, split our guns. Maybe we have to do something different. And we just do that all over the fights. And no matter how long they take, we just keep doing that in, in subcap and capital brawls. And then we can always see, okay, this is this has just happened in the last five minutes. 
what can we do to you know make it even more favorable for us or swing the tide or anything like, something like that that's basically how i operate and uh, other fcs as well in pl yeah that's really interesting i think uh, that's that's why this stuff can get really exciting uh with so many people on the field and so much at risk to have uh you know a lot of strategy actually being developed as the the fight is developing itself uh so were you uh, were you worried at any time or did you think you had it in the bag the whole time uh, I mean, at the start, like when when the CO two dread bomb came in and the CVA carriers were still hurting our dreads, it it looked kind of like we could maybe lose the cap fight, which was uh which was a little bit worrying. But then we basically, as our subcaps went down there to help out the dreads, and the CVA fleet got bombed. Uh, that you know we were at that point, it was like from hmm, this might go wrong into okay, we won within like twenty seconds game time, which was like ten minutes. To tie Certainly, that bombing run up there on the maelstroms freed up time, right? If we had had to spend more time up there taking the maelstroms down, just you know, gun to gun, right? You know, that means we couldn't have gotten down into the scrum and start hitting fighters and things like that as early as we had. We could have still, yeah, we could have still done that, but we would have had to deal with maelstroms and CO two subcaps and abandons down as, yep. as well as the capitals. It would have just been more bloody for us. I think we still would have won because we have better capabilities of reinforcing, especially when it comes to capitals. Uh, we can just jump in more and more and more dreads, uh, which some other entities might not be able to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was still pretty confident we would win, but it could have been way bloodier if those bomb runs weren't so brilliant. And the bomb horde, uh, the horde bomber, FC, they just did a fantastic job because he just wiped out two battleship, fleet, battleship fleets, basically. So kudos to him. Yeah, that uh, FC was uh, Storm Star. Delay. Yeah, yeah. St a storm something, yeah, storm. Uh... Or <clears throat> and that and that was a danger close bomb run too, because I mean, like, of course, you know, we're in tie dye, right? But you know, over comms, it was okay, guys. Look, you're gonna get hit by bombs here <laughs> in a little bit. They're on their way. There are bombs. Don't worry. Don't broadcast for reps. There are bombs in tie dye. You have kind of the time to like warn your fleet. So that you know that came over. And I think in real time, it was probably I don't know a minute later when when we actually got tagged with some of those yeah you guys lost a bunch of logistics to that because you know some of them just weren't able to cat uh to burn around i love that idea of like incoming shelling get your head down exactly. uh, on my position i'm calling in a yeah. bomb run on my position broken arrow <laughs> Yeah, basically told the Horde FC, like, he was like, well, you're in the middle of all these ships, though, right? And I was like, yeah, don't care about that. Just bomb us. Just bomb us with them. It's fine. We can take it. They they can't. It's really, uh, that's one of the great things about uh, strategic cruisers. They're just uh, basically unbombable. I have almost. to say, uh, Yintan, I, I saw your, your little damnation flying away out of that bomb run. You survived it, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I'm in an X-type <laughs> and fucking slave damnation. Like, there's not much that can kill me. Yeah, I saw your, your your ship puttering away after your fleet was destroyed, and I was like, "Oh, poor FC." Uh, yeah. And then you went and traded ships, and uh, that's the second story. That's the second. There's a big subcap fight that goes on with great bombing going on, battleships dying left and right because they're still vulnerable to bombs, which is interesting. And then you have caps coming in, and it's a real slugfest of dreadnoughts and carriers. It's also interesting that carriers are a little weaker than they used to be since their uh, fighters got nerfed. Uh, so. Uh, but they still managed to do some pretty good damage, right? I mean, people have been overreacting about, like, I mean, they they did 
they did pack paddle a bit about those changes where they um you know reduce it from 20 to 10 percent which i think is okay but the change really is just uh, a big problem for the care bears and the smaller groups for groups like ncpl goons and basically every entity that can field more than 100 carriers it doesn't really matter because Instead of having to field 100 carriers, now I have to field 110 carriers to basically do the same damage I did before because they reduce the damage by 10%. And that's just, you know, that's whatever. Like bringing mm -hmm. 10 more carriers is not an issue. But obviously for smaller groups that, you know, cannot just field 110 carriers, yes. that is a big deal. So it was just, you know, that change. Personally, I didn't think it was that bad. Like I never really felt so upset about it um, as Reddit did, but... Yeah, I can I can see why some people were sad about him, especially mm -hmm. the super carrier nerfs as well, because super carriers are all, uh, already in a kind of weird spot. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's a whole different my, topic. My personal read on where super carriers are right now is that they're what they're what you use when you've already won a capital fight, just to ensure that you have minimal losses, because that's the only way I've seen them used in the past like two months. Basically, like if well, you've but... already run a dread dread fight, you just drop supers so that half your dreads don't die. Do you guys say that's accurate or? There's... Is it Madero lagging or am I lagging? No, Madero's lagging. Madero's lagging. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah, because I. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I'm not really sure how to describe the spot that Super Carriers are in right now because um, they're kind of like I mean, obviously to kill Dreads and stuff, they're still great, and they're like also if you have a shit ton of Super Carriers with Light Fighters, you can shred subcaps. Obviously, they do some more damage than Carriers do, so it's like. They're still, they have somewhat of a spot, but it's just like, and this is from a PL's perspective, right? I can say this very easily, whereas I'm aware that like 90% of the, of Eve can't say that, but uh, there's just no reason why I would drop supers over Titans at the, mo at the moment, because the, the Titans can't get defanged, right? A super carrier, you can just kill all the fighter bombers and then a super carrier is absolutely useless. You can basically do nothing, but maybe burst a couple bubbles and that's it. Whereas a Titan, you can't defang a Titan. So there's at the moment, there's just no reason. If, if I wanted to kill 20 dreads, why would I drop 20 supers? Uh, and then maybe if there's some subcap fl uh, fleets on grid, why would I drop 20 supers and lo uh, risk losing half the fighter bombers of those supers when I can just drop 20 titans and they do the job just as good, just as fast. And, you know, I can't lose anything basically. And like I said, obviously that's from PL perspective, but it's just the way I look at it at the moment. So, yeah. But then again, if you look at what CCP said, where they want super carriers to be, basically feeling like kind of a support role is what they said when they initially uh, announced the Citadel uh, patch. I guess that's where it's going towards. They're not like a mainline weapon platform anymore. So we'll see. Uh, there, there's going to be a spot for them, surely. It's just going to be interesting to see what that is. Now, now given, given the tethering... Um, um, that can take place. I mean, you know, the structure, the structure has basically anchored. It's now in this 15 minute period where you can pause the timer, but tethering mechanics work, asset, uh, asset safety mechanics work at some point, Jin, um, those carriers that you had there, some of them, uh, de and ultimately docked up and then undocked and left. Right. Um, yeah, we just undocked on different exits and just jumped out. Like I think a couple of them got stuck, so they just like logged off because they was they were able to safe log. Yeah, yeah. It's it, like it's just us abusing tethering mechanics because why would you not abuse tethering mechanics if you can? It's the same as like fighting on the edge of a pos shield in um, pos warfare, except sure. you know you can't just rape cage a pos you can't rape cage a citadel. It just doesn't happen. 
I know that's not the um, that's not particularly uh, sensitive parlance, but there's no yeah. other real word for that. Rated G show. Uh, Welcome so, back. Yeah, dropped out for a second. Thanks for covering. You guys are awesome. I love it when a show can keep going, if when the host drops out. Um, all right. So the I guess the I I was out for just a minute. So catch me up. Will we talk about the Capitol fight and we're done with that? Basically, yeah. All right. Um, and so then I was asking if you were worried about at any point during it, but you knew you had it at what point again? Basically when both fleets were bombed to death, both subcap fleets were bombed to death, we knew it for sure. Okay. Um, and that's when you, th you guys thought. Now, did you know that Test wasn't coming? Because that seemed to be a wild card. It means Test Supers? Or Test Dread Bomb or anything. Uh, uh, yes. I mean, I don't want to go into too much detail there, but yes. <laughs> Pretty easy intel, right? Yeah. Damn spies everywhere know everything. Uh, the other question I had is, where did Try get their super their dreadnoughts so close to the south? Because they're further up north or northeast. Oh uh, no, they actually. So Try yeah. is uh, the Try is staging in D eighty seven or A twenty four. I think Vanguard Coalition is staging in A twenty four, but Try itself forward deployed to D eighty seven, which is in Curse, and it's actually not that hard to get to where we were from Curse. You just gate to uh, Fasbera, and then you sign over to Asar, and Asar was in direct range. Yeah, Tri is definitely down in the south now. We just we had a cap fight with them last night, literally. I didn't realize that they were they were down here on deployment. So you have like a lot of big people down here in deployment. So no wonder there's a lot of uh, big fights happening. Uh, all right, well let's move on to uh, other fights that are happening in the south. Uh, you had a fight going on in Sashila or Sashela. I don't know how to say that word, but that's in Low Sac Aridia, which is right near Gehi, which is where NC Dot is staged, and um, that fight. CO2 is actually fighting alongside PL and NC, which is interesting. Yeah. No, that was, that was the day enemy. before? Yeah, that was the day before. And and that's what's been kind of weird because, you know, the Sashala thing happened, right? And and um, you can go through that story. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, CO2 was, you know, locking down goons or whatever it was, and, and we came in there. But then the next day, right, you're you're there in, uh, you know, hitting this Keepstar, right? And, you know, there's all this red and orange. This whole New World Order thing, it's like from day to day, I'm always confused as to who it is that we're shooting versus who it is that we're helping. That's a beautiful thing about it. It's very uh, fluid. The New World Order involves and, you know, basically everybody can be a part of it. You just got to be at the right uh, spot at the right time. Hey, it's a party. But yeah, how did Seychala go down? You want me to go over it? Well, not in too much detail. We're running out of time. Okay. We have other things to cover. But just real quick, uh, an example of what happened there. Uh, basically, it was a fight over a NC dot Asbil in uh, Shashala that NC dot dropped there, and um, goons formed up a subcap fleet of I actually can't remember what. Does anyone remember what subcaps goons had? McCary, I think yeah, it was a McCarrial fleet and a Serb fleet, I think. So they had two subcap fleets uh, alongside a carrier fleet, which was consisting of like 70 carriers or something like that, uh, and then a bunch of facts. And basically, the NC dots started engaging the goon subcap fleet, and CO2 started engaging them with us, with PL. We just had a small Serb fleet there, though. Uh, and then goons dropped in their carriers, which uh, basically got answered by an NC dot dread bomb. And then goons decided to take the carriers out of range of that uh, out of that uh, NC dot dread bomb because it was in low sec and there's no bubbles. They could just warp out, right? So a lot of their carriers just warp up to a purge about like 200 kilometers above the subcap fight um, because 
then they were out of range of those dreads and they could still apply the damage with the fighters, which is one of the nice mechanics of uh, Valkyrias, right? You can basically project all over the grid. Um, but, well, the, basically goons didn't account for the second dread bomb that we had ready, which was PL dreads. And we just told CO2 subcaps, which were in Proteus's with points at a time to just warp up on top of those carriers, point them. And when CO2 did that, we just dropped our dreads onto... Uh, the goon carrier fleet and our dreads basically just killed a shit ton of carriers i think we killed like 60 carriers there goon carriers and uh, nc dot and co try i think was there to uh just continue brawling the goon subcaps down at the subcap brawl when the when the carriers died goons decided to disengage their subcaps and they just sticked around with their serbs to finish the asbill so they managed to kill the asbill but they took a pretty high uh and it took pretty high losses for it. They lost like 60 carriers and a bunch of battleships, a bunch of certs. That's basically what happened. Yeah. It's funny because it was kind of seen as a victory. Um, but then later it was like, well, we took a pretty big loss and stuff. Uh, Carneros did, what, what did it look like uh, in there? Oh, no, I can't hear Carneros. No, you can try again. Today is the art of muting a microphone. Yeah. Well, we're having some technical issues on this show, including myself. The whole internet went down. I haven't seen that happen in ages. But uh, yeah, keep trying, Carneros. When we can hear you, I'll let you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so I will say that from per perspective of um, Imperium, it seemed like uh, that was a, a victory. But then the cost came in. It looked like it was kind of a defeat. Not a defeat, because you know what? It's it's destruction is just income, and they have plenty of that. But uh, and they got there. Um, objective done so i guess it you know it is just got to mine some more carriers yeah shouldn't take long um if we get carneros back we'll have him explain that but um the point is that pravi keepstar was just the third of three really big fights two of the three were in uh southern uh part of the map because there's a lot of activity down there and it seems from nc's point of view that it's pretty satisfying uh for the fcs at least uh you know, seeing so many opportunities to have, uh, you know, a lot of big fights. It's uh, it's what they live for. There were some mistakes made in that fight. There you are, the, From the Imperium perspective for a second, uh, we didn't do our preparation correctly. I, I wasn't in that fight. I'm, I was at work and running back and forth to read the uh, review channel and, uh, I'm sorry, the coordination channel and see what the military guys are doing. And my own Sky Marshals were in the fight and giving me uh, comments in, in my channel. Uh, they weren't, it wasn't just go goons in, on that side. But yeah, we made a bunch of mistakes all, all the way from the start on that. But they had a really good discussion internally. And uh, 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 it wasn't even just mistakes. I think the right word was hubris. We, we overlooked uh, uh, some possibilities and we shouldn't do that. But we've, uh, we've there was a, some of that up. There was an after action review that uh, <laughs> discussed these things. It wasn't even totally afterwards. It was it was uh, pretty quickly, some partially during. Yeah, partially during, <laughs> exactly. You know, when you've got a bunch of, you, if you could see the command channels, I'm sorry, your spies on our side could, could see, when the Mitanni jumps into the channel with your FCs, that's not a good sign. That means someone's getting chewed out or or supported <laughs> probably wasn't a pat on the back i didn't go i you know when i see that happen i don't go up in that channel i don't want to hear it anyway 
Yeah. So uh, again, thanks uh, for fixing your mic. Uh, again, that is the a lot of the actions happening in the South. We'll keep covering it as it goes on. It's not a war. It's just a lot of activity, and uh, it's pretty interesting to see. There's definitely a lot going on. Um, in fact, there's uh, we want to switch gears now and actually talk about some game news. We have uh, some information, starting with um, new information that came out about changes that are up ahead. Dunk, what do you got on that? Well, um, as we're all playing the game Macarials Online, I think <clears throat> there was an announcement that they're going to change pirate battleships to make them not so prominent. And some of the numbers came out on Sissy for what the build changes are to the pirate battleships. But when I do the math and other people do the math, we're only seeing about a 35 to 45 million isk increase in the build cost of these pirate battleships. Doesn't seem like anyone who can field 100 of them is going to have any trouble adapting that minimal cost. Unless something else changes, I don't know that the the meta of using the pirate battleships is really going to change. So it'd be interesting to hear what other people think about uh, the changes to pirate battleships. Well, I, I think I've seen it about 60 million. Well, 50, 60 million for any of the big major powers, that's nothing. That's yeah. that's less than the cost of the implants you're going to fly. So, you know, it it's it's not a doubling of the cost, not a tripling of the cost. It's a minimal, trivial cost for even people in Brave. It's a nothing cost. I think uh, they also announced that they wanted to, or if they, I think it did already, uh, change the drop rates of the BPCs. Uh, yeah, they've the talked about that publicly. The drop yeah, rate. It's going to be the drop rate first, then the mineral increase. Okay, I see. So it's it's going to be drop rate plus minerals, which I think. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, the, the intent yeah, there I is see. that the supply is always going to be the constraint for large uh, large entities like yourself killer or um, goons you know you can't um, you, it doesn't matter if they're they cost two and a half you know two billion or 30 billion it's just a matter of you know getting the money together and any large entity can do that which is why the cost isn't the issue um, especially given how powerful they want the Macarial to be um, yeah, but they just haven't they... shown the drop rate thing to work right. I mean, look at the price of what the small ancillary ancillary armor reppers are fucking out of control. Like, yeah, but this that's, drop that's... no this drop rate thing they don't manage it well because what is Malkanis's law? Like, every change is going to be optimized by the best players, and they'll fucking farm whatever needs to be farmed to get these material blueprints. So, so, you, I, so you're it, saying it, that we should not change anything to do with the Macario? Because... I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm asking for other people's opinions that I don't think it's going to change the meta. The people who can fly 100, 200 Macarials, this is not going to affect them. They have more money than anything. Anybody. Well, eventually, if they tweak it hard enough, right, um, and the supplies of those things just aren't out there to be able to resupply entire fleets over, you know, over multiple engagements, um, it, it, it may have an effect from that standpoint. I don't I know. Mean, the, you're, the you're, people, also, you're also people not... can drop keep stars, you know, seven keep stars for Imperium. Like, do you think they're really going to have a tough time? putting their economic engine against against getting enough ships i mean so if the materials and fire battleships go to back go back to where they were which i don't think will happen with these changes but if they go if they just go 200 million 300 million is up because of the combination of less bpcs on market which was going to drive the bpc price up and uh, the increased build cost it will affect the meta because uh, main groups like PL can probably still afford to fly Macarials, but not everybody is. I mean, we have Horde flying Macarials. We have Test flying Macarials. We have everybody flying and The only reason that's the case is because they're so cheap. If they go back to 700, 800 million apiece, those, uh, n well, newbie-friendlier groups 
uh, and groups with lower SP and lower income, they will not utilize these as much as they are being utilized right now. I think that's enough. Um, also, I think you overestimate the Alliance GSF, yeah, the, the Alliance goons. They can they can afford to drop seven keep stars, but you got to keep in mind that a lot of the line members of the Imperium are very cautious when it comes to money, and you will, uh, if they are being asked to, I mean, yes, there is SRP, but uh, you'll, you'll always have some form of loss. And then, I mean, the best example is the Shishala fight, where, like, I don't know how many of the carriers we killed, but, like, a lot of those carriers we killed, they were clearly reading carrier fittings, which means those people just jump out of out of the A-noms into the fight sort of thing, which obviously is very optimal for uh, PvP. Um, you know, it'll always affect these people. Um, the Alliance itself probably won't be affected. And as a, you know, group like the, the Goons, they don't, they won't care because if there's so many people that there will always be enough to fill a fleet, but it will have an effect. If it's enough I, to... Yeah, I, I just think it creates, again, a differentiator between the largest groups and their ability to field whatever they want to field and the medium-sized groups, which are the ones that are impacted by this, where they can't field. Yeah, but that will always and, be and that, the and that case. differential is not helped at all by this, and so you're going to have the same kind of battles we have now. Where you I don't have... think I don't think you can change the game in a way that the larger groups um, will be affected in a negative way, and the medium groups won't be. I don't think that's possible because the larger groups just have more people. They can do everything more effective. They can do everything more. They will always have more money. They will always have more people. And that's just how Eve works, right? Like at the end of the day, I know it's a very hated term, but at the end of the day, it's always n plus one. And yeah, uh, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I just my I concern is they're solving. There. There's the way they're solving this problem doesn't solve the problem that is appearing. It's not well, a big the, enough the, dent. The, is that what you're saying? It, uh, okay. The people who can fly the materials will continue to fly the materials and have that OP advantage. It puts the people who try to compete at a disadvantage. So it reinforces the power position of being able to field 150 materials. It doesn't I, take that away. I think it's going to depend on the numbers. Yeah. Um, if you remember back in time, uh, we had a point where people were looking at using things like APOC navies and specifically Tempest fleet issues as a mainline doctrine. And a lot of large entities ran into the problem of supply there because there just was such a limited amount of people uh, making that and it wasn't something that NullSec individuals could do. It led to the to the point where people had to go back to T1 battleships because they simply could not um, source enough to do it. Well, the the uh, build cost itself is going to be negligible to just about everybody. It's only That's say pretty a, much just your gang dudes, I think. That are going to be hurt by that, right? Yeah. yeah. That's just to stop like you everyone roaming in like 10 shield Macarels and dunking on nerds. Yeah, because it costs a bit more, but the frequency of finding it is what really will probably make a bigger difference because the price will go in accordance to that. Already the ships that were, what, 250, 300 million are now 400, 500, or like 400 million, is it? They're already gone up um, based on those changes, and they'll probably go up another 50, 60, 70 million. I don't know. Um, is there any way to make this? Because when they were a billion, these things were a billion each. Uh, they were really just used in small gangs uh, for very precise um, kind of work. So the, they they weren't really part of a mainline doctrine because if you had hundreds of them and you whelped that fleet, that would cost you guys a pretty penny. Now money's not as big a deal as it was. But can it ever return to a point where they're just kind of uh, low low sec pirate ships? I think there's a lot. You know, look, there's a lot of supply already out there. 
Um, so this is going to take some time to to kind of, you know, feed its way through the system. So, I mean, I don't think we're going to see any major change in, in, in Meta anytime soon. But eventually it could be one of those things, depending on how much they dial it down, right, you know, where supply is crimped. That's going to be a while, though, I think. And certain groups out there are probably stockpiled to hell and back on these things. Yeah, I also think they're they're really handy for fighting structures right now, which is not their usual role. Um, and that that goes, uh, I think, can somebody explain that? But I, I'll try to. I think that's because they're, the materials are just uh, small enough in signature not to get wiped out by the structure that they're shooting so they can actually shoot it effectively. But it seems like that's one of the they, It's only and the only reason that is is because of the void bombs. Because it's a... It's a very decently tanked. If you if you fit it passive passively with passive hardeners, it's a, it has a very decent tank. It has capless guns. You don't need cap to shoot. Right. Uh, and you can basically supply the few active mods you need, like maybe a prop mod or a uh, you know, E-War in the mids on a Macario. You can easily run with a cap booster. So that's basically the only reason that the Macario... Well, that's one of the big reasons why the McCarroll is the go-to ship because it is just the best at everything. It is the best at fighting any possible doctrine you can imagine. It is the best at shooting citadels. It's just the best at everything. It's it's the it's the Swiss knife of ships. You can do everything with the McCarroll. You're right. It's the energy. It's the energy issue that helps it mm -hmm. against right. Okay. Everybody else gets zapped of energy by the structure, but they don't. They don't need energy to shoot their guns. So yeah. So maybe demand might cool off if they make changes elsewhere, uh, Dunk. But um, I, I, I don't know if I can ever go back. If they're 600 million per ship fitted out or whatever, that's a, that's going to add up to the, you know, how much people have to grind in order to join those fleets. And it'll hit SRP when they get destroyed. Uh, okay. Other things that, uh, anything else on this you guys want to talk about? So a few other changes. And these aren't spoilers because we're not, we're not going to tell you like, you know, the statistics on some of this stuff, except the faction pirates, we knew that they were going to go up in cost and minerals. So that was announced. We know that reactions are coming with moon mining. So there's new reaction skills uh, that are going to be coming out, which is kind of interesting. And then there's an array of information about T3s and how they're going to get uh, put together in the next uh, patch, uh, along with some skins and stuff like that. Was there anything else that I missed in that uh, preview? I intentionally want to be undocked in a T3 when the overnight switch happens, just to see what happens. <laughs> what do you think will happen? I don't know. Maybe I get superpowers. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Super. You're the worst kind of player, Dunk. <laughs> no, I'm the prototypical Eve player. Like, if there's an opportunity for some edge, I'm going to try and take it. That's that's uh, very true. Uh, okay, I wanted to talk about. Um... Oh, there's a couple more things coming, and that is a change in model for Rupture and uh, a couple of T2 derivatives of that. There was a gold magnet that was killed. That's a ship that's awarded very rarely, only twice in EVE Online has that ship been awarded to players, and that's for the Amar, um, what is it called? Trials? Succession Trials. Succession Trials, thanks. So the winners get the gold magnets, and one of those, it's a limited number of ships, uh, one of those died recently. It's not the first to die in Eve's history, but it's the first one of the new set to die. Uh, and the other thing I want to talk about before we get to new forums is Plex prices. What's well, and, and it should probably just be mentioned that I, I, I think that one died because the guy was quitting the game, right? And he went out and had one of his own alts kill it or something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. What did he name the character? Like, I'm leaving Eve, you know, 
something mm, like that. I'm quitting so. Eve, fly safe or something, and then he destroyed it himself with an ult. Oh, that takes a lot out of that story. I just slashed that one out. Yeah, it's still a gold magnet. It's not in the game anymore. <laughs> so what? Uh, it's kind of like, let me let me hit delete on this pile of isk. That's about as exciting as that is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not like the story because the... Prior to the recent, you know, Amaro Secession trials that took place, what, I don't know, a year ago or something like that, um, mm -hmm. the last time there was a gold magnet in game was back in was back in 2004 at the, uh, at the first one. And that one died also in 2004, but in actual combat. But it was that long until, you know, one even reappeared back into the game because of because of the recent thing that they did. Yeah, well, I won't even consider this a combat kill. Uh, it's no. uh, somebody wanted to make a statement on their way out, which, you know. That's as much as I'm going to honor that. All right, Plex prices. What's going on there? Well, isn't somebody manipulating the market like has been done in the past? I mean, that's the way I read it. That's what it seems like to me. I, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't actually know what's going on, but we will say that the Plex Pl Pl prices are going up. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can put in the, you know, uh, the Plex prices are too damn high kind of quote or whatever. But I mean, look, Plex prices have been on the rise since they announced, since basically when they announced that they were doing the change with you know plex to plex bits you know and the conversion of orum and all that kind of stuff they've been going up you know the trend is the trend right um now what's been happening in the last few days or you know week or so at this point i guess um where now you basically have you know in excess of three million isk per plex um there is some speculation out there that there's manipulation going on there are some people talking on twitter that this is a coordinated uh, a coordinated effort maybe it's shit talk maybe it's not um but you know i mean the fact is is that right now you've you've basically converted two currencies into one orm and plex plex is now the vehicle for for it's now the only basically rmt vehicle out there for uh you know for all of the different things that you can buy so um you know it's now the single source um that plays into it to some extent whether or not there's actual manipulation it's uh you know I, of yeah, course I there's know. manipulation i mean there's always manipulation of the of the plex prices i mean you should get pro bag bear on on the phone and he'll explain probably what's going on there, there's definitely people coordinating to rise the price it's I mean, Aerith is in chat. Aerith's in chat right now. He's saying it, it it isn't shit talk, um, and that they need to nerf offshoring and make a minimum broker fee. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, this is you know this is where CCP having an eye on the economy and an eye on the markets. You can sit there and say that you know what, um, um, all of the kind of market manipulation that takes place across various things in Eve is is that's just part of Eve, right? I don't know that they want that in something like Plex, given what it you know given what it's tied to. Um, I think they should be a lot more concerned about allowing any form of manipulation in that particular market um, because Plex is not just Tritanium, right? I mean, it's not just something in the game. This is something that is bought with real money and, you know, represents game time and represents all sorts of different things. I, you know, and Dr. E back in the day made the comment, you know, that, that, it was different, and therefore they were going to view it differently. Um, however, that seems to have uh, stopped. Well, I think you're underestimating how smart some of these people are when it comes to managing all of the broker's fees, how to use the Citadels properly, how to set up all the jobs. It's a whole deep dive that those people go into, and they can they can do things at a low, very low trade cost level. I don't know the right terms. I'm not a trader, but that's what's going on is they can manipulate the markets without a risk right now. And so they do it because they can make a profit on trivial changes. 
Yeah, and as liquid as the Plex market is, I mean, uh, you know, it is it is far and away the biggest, uh, you, you know, the most liquid market in the game. Um, there are people out there that have an incredible amount of wealth uh, that can play in these things, um, you know, at very high levels that that can allow that kind of manipulation. You know, uh, uh, per, Perzer Perzer out in Twitch says, you know, how not to allow it. Um, as long as it's on the market, you know, you can basically screw with it. Um, you know, he's right, which is why CCP needs to kind of be looking at it and try and figure out, you know, what it might take. Aerith says Plex extractors should have a minimum fee on those markets. Maybe they have to do something different. Um, but well, you know, there's it, also a counterplay of the Plex vault concept. So you had risk you had to account for when you had to move things around. And so we saw that when physical objects you buy at a Citadel and perimeter, you it's not in Gita, you know, you, you have a, there's a cost in fact that now with Plex vaults, you can move this stuff around at no risk, which again lowers the cost of doing business for this stuff. Well, theoretically that should lower the lower the price of Plex as you're actually making uh, Plex like supply more fluid to the location of demand. Well, the fluidity just makes it easier for the people who are trading to make profits. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> Matterall's bored with our economic talk. No, no, I, I love this stuff. It's just uh, I was dealing with something else as you guys were talking. And well, I mean, there's probably, uh, yeah, look, there's, there's probably a number of things they should do. I, and given Aerith's comments out in the Twitch chat, I'm hoping that this is, you know, some sort of an issue that the CSM is focused on with CCP. Yeah. Well, I think Dirk is right. And I think Aerith is right. Like, Plex is a unique commodity within EVE right now. And to treat it like it's an invulnerability field to module, you can't do it the same way. Or you're going to have weird effects. There's no other thing in the game you can move around seamlessly between places with no risk. Right. And it does hold value. It actually increases value or it has steadily for a while. Uh, as pointed out by, um, I was about to call you your real name, but Carneros, uh, it's at 1.4 billion uh, for 30 days of game time when you use it. It did get over 1.5 billion. Uh, so I, I I don't know if that's good or bad, right? Does it matter what the... So, so, well, hold on. so, so Aero says out there, if I was CCP, I'd run my own manipulation, crash it with Banplex, and then rebuy the Banplex back from the market when it crashes. Okay, we can go back again to when Dr. E was in place, right? And we had the EVE Central Bank. And one of the things that they were doing was acting as a form of central bank that was that was monitoring Plex prices, right? And supposedly using Plex that they had, um, you know, that they had taken from band accounts and things like that um, in order to, you know, in order to kind of, you know, suppress, you know, a, a you know, some of these things out there. I think they did it on two occasions that they that they actually mentioned. They mentioned it well after the fact, um, but again, that was gone. That was gone when Doctor E left. It was uh, it wasn't Doctor Ao that did it, um, and it wasn't Bandplex. It was Quant. No, I'm just kidding. There was um, there was a very talented young man who went to work, who was a Plex trader manipulator, who went to work for CCP. And actually, he worked for me at the time I worked there. And he uh, uh, he had too much wealth in Plex as a CCP employee. And the internal affairs group said, that this is a risk factor. And we're going to take this from you and put it in an escrow account until you leave the company. And then you can have it back. So one day, uh, uh, we proposed to Dr. Ao to let us do something about the Plex prices, and um, and we talked to Internal Affairs, and they temporarily gave him back his pile, 
And he just sat down and did manipulative things with buy and sell orders with his own plex and uh, temporarily changed the psychology of the local market uh, and then um, gave back his hoard to internal affairs and they locked it up again, you know, when he got to where we needed to be. Well, that's interesting because, yeah, Captain or Captain EO, uh, whatever his name is. Dr. Captain EO. Yeah, I think Dr. Captain EO was Michael Jackson, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, Captain EO is Michael Jackson. Uh, Dr. EO is uh, CCP. He didn't actually say banned accounts because he was kind of coy with it. He said accounts that aren't in the game or something like right. that. Yeah. And people assumed that meant they took banned money like drug dealer money and put it back into the economy. At this, no, asset forfeiture. In this particular case, though, the guy spent his own money just to be helpful. Wow, uh, that's that's really good. A good correction. There's another correction I'd like to make. I've been saying something that was inaccurate. Can you believe that? Uh, about uh, Imperium actually exporting, sorry, actually importing their minerals, not exporting their minerals, and so um, the inference is that all the stuff that's being mined out of Delve is staying in Delve. In fact, they're importing minerals in order to build a giant monstrosity of a military machine. Nobody really corrected me on that. Aerith, I'm looking at you. Um, but it turns out a lot of minerals are actually being exported out of Delve and not many minerals are coming back into it. So I, I wanna make that clear that there is a, a big weight of the Delve mining profits uh, hitting Jita so it's not like it's not being touched by all the work that's being done down there. And um, yeah, so. And yeah, I mean, I hadn't heard this story about, you know, about somebody that I was only going based on the public information that, you know, when uh, in some of the quarterly, I think it was quarterly economic reports back at the time or uh, public statements that, that Dr. E, you know, kind of made on stage at FanFest and things about the existence of this Eve Central Bank. That's, that's why we're so lucky to have Carneros here. You actually actually somebody that knows not just guesses uh, like us like me um all right so the last thing that we wanted to talk about um is a new forums because i think this is significant not just in the fact that it's a new technology new way of thinking about how people communicate as a big group or a society but uh, the impact it'll have on the culture of you online i think is significant as well what do you guys think of the new forums? Not just your opinions, but how do you feel that the forums are going to change things if they're going to change anything at all? I th well, uh, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's an upgrade from where they, you know, from where they were. I mean, there's certainly a lot more functionality now um, than, you know, than there was before. I think it'll take some getting used to if you're not used to using discourse. Um, you know, there's that, there's that element. But uh, you know, for now, they're allowing pictures and gifts to be put into uh, into forum posts. They've uh, Apparently, you know, granted an amnesty to anybody who was banned before um, is now unbanned and is free to come back and and use the forums. Um, they're apparently going to be kind of taking a, a bit of a lighter hand on moderation um, because that was one of the gripes, you know, for people who who use things like Reddit and so on and so forth, that that the moderation was too damn hard over there. Um, you know, but we'll see. I mean, yeah. It, it's an upgrade, right? Um, I don't know that it's going to be perfect for everybody. Somebody will find fault with some things, but it's certainly an upgrade. Um, yeah, technologically, it's it's a whole different way of uh, communicating too, because forums used to be like, I put a post up, you put a post up, I answer your post by quoting it, and then five people get into that mess and they dominate a conversation. And then other people were to come in and kind of derail it by talking about what they had for lunch, you know, just to be kind of a pain. And so, 
the forum culture itself kind of got displaced by something that was more immediate, um, like these text chats and chat groups. And, uh, you know, now we have uh, Reddit, which is a phenomenon of, you know, can somebody describe what Reddit is? Where does it fit into that? Dunk, you probably know. Reddit is like a holding tank for bad people. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, you know, one of the other comments that got made, um, you know, was that, you know, official CCP communications will be coming through here. Now, whether or not that means that they're going to um, lay off posting as devs over over on Reddit is unclear or whether or not they'll be, you know, answering things over there that they don't necessarily answer on the forums. Um, you, know, it, you know, it's still unclear. We'll see how that goes. Um, into the future. Uh, well, you know, one of the nice things about the forums, and I, you know, I mentioned this last night when when we had Avalon uh, on Open Comms, was the fact that um, there are certain things out there that that come kind of pre-tagged. Okay, so if a dev blog gets posted out there, a new dev blog, you're basically going if you if you have the forums open at the time. If you don't, if you don't have the forums open, there will be something that kind of alerts you to the fact that, that it's there. But if you have them open at the time, um, you'll actually get an alert pop up in Windows that uh, you know that that um, you know alerts you to the fact that uh, you know a dev a new dev blog has come out, which I think is good because you know one of the things we've always said is that you know there's a lot of people who don't you know don't know what's going on, um, don't necessarily know that a dev blog was released. Well, you know if you if you use the forums, then you know. You have a higher likelihood now of being alerted to that. Well, and how's that going to change the the culture of Eve? Because we know that uh, people have felt the censorship was uh, censorship. Uh, the moderation of forums was too strict, and they were a lot more rambunctious than was being allowed. So they've moved out to other areas to be able to talk. Uh, Kugutman comes to mind a few years ago, maybe six, seven years ago, and um, Reddit after Kugutman closed. Uh, has kind of took over that role of being the area where you could you had free speech about what was going on in CCP. I don't think that's going to change at all. I mean, you know, you, you know, people that are used to associating and kind of congregating and chatting and whatnot in the in the forums that they use are are still going to do that. Um, you know, and the people that use the Eve forums are still going to do that. Um, I don't I, I don't think this change really changes that too much. You don't think there's a critical mass, though, because I've noticed that people really want to hit the forum that has the most people to do the most amount of damage. Like that's where they that's where they want to talk to get the most amount of exposure. And if if enough people were to basically not really talk on Reddit and talk on CCP's forums instead, do you think there would be any cultural shift? I don't know. I guess you'd have to. You'll have probably have some people coming to the the new forums that wouldn't go to the old forums. I mean the the people expect that kind of media interactivity in a way that the old forums just didn't have. So it, it could definitely bring some new people. Like I never go to Eve forums for anything because it becomes just this circle jerk of the same things. And this may bring a little levity to it. Right. And that's really it, right? Like how many new people come back to the forums? Carneris, uh, you said something interesting a show or two ago about like people, like CCP should have already made this shift. What? Yeah, to Twitch, what? like that's, Twitch might have been, you said Twitch is already kind of like dated. I think you said something like CCP should have already tried to communicate through Twitch to some of their people. Do you remember saying uh, that? I have uh, it on tape. I'm not remembering the context immediately, but I do believe that uh, CCP should have uh, embraced Twitch a little bit more uh, rapidly. Yeah. We, uh, you know, my, my day job did. And it worked out really well for us. Uh, you said you're a, a, a producer for a gaming company. 
uh, with big titles as well. But, but I'm not representing them here. Right, 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 right. But, but the point is that the, the culture is constantly shifting, the technology is shifting, how you reach your audience is shifting. Yeah, and uh, this is this last couple of years has been the years of Twitch, not, uh, not you know, so much forums. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing this, how this new uh, setup works. I haven't, I've looked at it briefly. I haven't jumped in and participated yet. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to put, uh, you know, our local Eve meetups in and, you know, see how it goes. Yeah. Same. You're going to do the same? Yeah, I haven't really looked at it either, but I don't think people stop using Reddit and use those forums instead, as long as they're being moderated by the ISD. So, yeah, basically it. Uh, for whoever saw a naked man cross the back there, that's my nephew. It's not, uh, not any, not, not, don't get any ideas. It's just my nephew. Um, I'm joking. Uh, okay. So the, uh, well, I, here's the thing. I, I feel like there is going to be, uh, some competition between like where you go to get your Eve information. Uh, like I, I think people check multiple sources, but I also think they like to kind of go with the repetition and the habit to certain places to get their news. It seems to be that that is developed as bloggers have gone away, as news sites have closed and have gotten slow, as Kugutsaman forums have closed, as Failheap uh, Challenge closed. Um, as these things kind of die away from lack of use, then the you get more and more people, the chattering class, go to the same places. And Dirk, it's amazing because you know so much about the game, but you don't really visit Reddit that often, do you? Or do you go there every day? I, well, I visit Reddit when there's something out there, okay? Well, well number one, I visit a lot of these different places just in, in terms of trying to, like, you know, pull up details of things, right? Because I'm one of these dumbasses that talk on these things a lot. But, um, you know, so I'll go to Reddit just to be able to, like, you know, if there's a piece of information out there, like, you know, let's say an answer from CCP Falcon. Like, if I'm looking for the dev blog, I'll go for the actual dev blog. I won't pull it up over on Reddit. Um, you know, but if Falcon answers something out there about it, now I've got to go to Reddit to be able to do that. Well, you know, or to the forum or to wherever it is. I mean, by and large, okay, something like Reddit, um, this is a place where people talk about things. It, it shouldn't necessarily be a place where somebody's finding information because if you're finding information there, that's probably because somebody else provided it to you. Um, as opposed to the original source, right? I mean, I, I would much rather work with the original source documents than somebody's opinion of the original source document on Reddit. But that is a place where discussion occurs. The forums are a place where discussion occurs and, and you know, also act as a mechanism of feedback to CCP on, you know, on certain things. Um, you know, but it's, you know, it's a place for discussion as well on various topics that are, that are basically just between players. Reddit, same thing. Um, you know, any of these places, Kugu, you know, whatever, you know, you know sort of same thing. It, the difference ends up, you know, coming down to what's the level of shit talk that's going on, right? And I think that that's one of the things that on CCP's forums they want to limit to some extent, um, and and maybe have been too too aggressive in that um, and turn some people off. But I don't think overall that this change to their forums, while an upgrade, is going to change where people congregate and talk about things. So you don't think, and this is uh, kind of funny timing, because CCP just kind of stepped in it the other day and caused a little bit of irritation among people on Reddit. And then this is announced like a week later. Like, uh, do you think? I don't think there's no. I don't know. Yeah, this, so sure. this is a long-term project for them to put in new forums that are modern and everything like that. I'm sure they've been had this on the drawing board for a year. I'm sure. 
they've had it. Just... They've had it on. Um, they've had it on the plan since we talked to them in the first summit last year. Possibly yeah, I, I think they said, you know, look at Valkyrie's forums. We want to kind of move in that direction. I, I don't know if they said it or if it was said about them, but that's def definitely in the air. I just mean when the light switch actually goes on. Like I like to think that that they have, uh, you know, sometimes. You've never met a messages. tinfoil theory you don't like. I'm not a big tinfoiler, but I like sending You're messages. You're the king of tinfoilers. I, I, no, I'm not. I, I like the, I like the, the hearing of the sending of messages. Uh, you know, like uh, thinking like, okay, well, um, if, if we can't make ourselves clear, then we'll turn on our forums. Not saying that's what they planned, but I, I, I do like the idea of CCP having a place where they can, um, you know. Look, it's a, it's a good modern place for people to talk about things, yeah. whether things shift, we'll see. But I think the big shift we've seen is people using Discord and Slack in a way to have internal communications. And you see things pop up in those internal communications, and then, then people leave their internal to go get external viewpoints. That's like the biggest change we've seen. Uh, some of the bigger groups in the past, uh, Goons had their forums, uh, PL has their IRC, things like that. Now everybody at no cost without having an IT team can have a Discord and a Slack. And so that ability for internal discussion to happen, point to something external, and then you go get an external opinion on it, CCP is just helping with that. Because now there's a place you can go read stuff that doesn't look crappy and old and weird like the old forums did compared to what modern social media looks like. Yeah. So I'm aware that this is important, but I'm just kind of sad that, like, I'm also aware that this is an issue of not having enough devs, but I'm just kind of sad that this stuff's being developed and there's, you know, awesome skins. Like, the game looks fucking awesome, right? Like, don't get me wrong, but I wish they would focus a little bit more on the gameplay or to hire some more people, maybe let some people go that work in design and work in graphics and maybe hire some more actual devs because, I don't know, man, the most important part about the game is the game. And while it's important that it looks good and the forums are good, you know, it's, it's all nice. It's the surrounding, but the core is still the game. And I don't know. I just feel like, so whenever there's some changes, right, there's there's basically, yes, we are aware of the issues, but these are not on our roadmap. We are currently focusing on the, like right now, the most common thing they say is, oh, we just want to roll out all these new structures, right? So that's their main focus right now, getting all these structures rolled out, getting, getting that stuff done. And then afterwards, they can look at it you know, some of the issues that have been concerning people for a while. Um, and that's obviously an issue of just, you know, obviously there's just so many people that they have that actually code the game and, you know, they, they just can't work more than they already are. So they just can't get more stuff done. I just feel like it's cool, like, nice, you've got new forums, but honestly, I don't really care about it. Like, I just want to have a proper game. No, but it's I mean, a, it's you, a you, challenge to recruit uh, game devs to to come work in Reykjavik, Iceland. Yeah, well, um, then maybe move to London, which they've been planning to do for a while now. I don't like. I unironically, so Hilma said that 2015 or 16 was one of the best years that CCP ever had because of everything related to like Valkyrie and the EVR and all that kind of stuff. So why not use that to you know get to a position where it's not so hard to hire people? Because obviously nobody wants to move to Iceland. Because it's super expensive to live and all that, and it's really remote. So why not, you know, they have an office in London. Why not move the headquarters? Well, the and, HQ you know, is moving, but... It's, it, it, is, it is a lot easier said than done. I'm aware of that. But I'm just saying, like, this is all stuff that they can't fix well, I think Brexit, Brexit actually put some brakes on it. Because they have to kind of figure out what's going to happen. I mean, there. Brexit, let's fit. No, I don't want to go into politics at all, but well, yeah, no, whatever. Well, I, no, because Iceland isn't, Iceland isn't within the Schengen area anyway. Yeah, but I think that was one of the things that was said that they're 
kind of keeping an eye on the Brexit situation because it has a lot to do with uh, employment across Europe, like, you know, the employment laws and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. That's just like my game. comment on the whole new forums thing. I don't really care about it because I still, like Dirk said, if he wants to see the dev blog, he goes to the dev blog. But say, if I would, if I want to see the dev blog, rather than clicking to like three, four pages on the fucking official forums, I just go to Reddit. It's going to be on the front page. I just click the link and there's the dev blog, right? It's going to, re it's going to redirect me to the official forums i'm going to end up on the actual east website but i still go to reddit to go through reddit onto that blog because i can't be ours clicking on like six seven different pages on the eve online website which might be better now that they make it you know modern and stuff because the old ones were just awful i guess we can all agree on that but yeah it's just that i'm still always going to go to Reddit. and like i said I, I think it's also a moderation issue you can't like the whole isd department stuff is because they hide behind the ISD names, which is something that they don't choose. They, they can't really reveal their character names, right? But it's still something you can't really hold them accountable for something. They're just ISD. They're kind of untouchable unless they really fuck up. Um, whereas the, the, the mods on Reddit, the mods on Reddit are players, which you can just, you know, like I know every single Reddit mod basically. And if they do something dumb, I can somehow at least contact them because I know, hey, this is that guy in game or something. And I can communicate with him and how to hold him accountable to some degree but i can't do that with the isd people because you just can't combo them you know it's just not happening well, well you know, uh, dev, dev blogs are a little bit different you know so you know so let me just point that out is that dev blogs are a little bit different in that those are kind of standalone things right the 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 thing that is more difficult to kind of track sometimes right is is um dev posts okay so now you have to know that they've created a forum thread you know about this particular or that they answered out there in some other thread somewhere those are the things that are more difficult and then you know and when you start getting dev uh dev responses to things um out in places like Reddit or in Slack or wherever it is that they do it, right? It, you know, it becomes harder for the player base to kind of track where these things are. And it, you know, takes kind of that crowdsourcing thing, which in a way is, you know, what what Reddit is is sometimes good at is somebody will find it and post it there. And then, you know, I mean, all the other commentary that comes after that is sort of secondary, but. Yeah. All right. Um, last thing I'll say about that is that um, the moderation team for Reddit has a certain style, I would say, because they've left it because it has a certain kind of reputation, right? That is built by, I think, moderators. So where that yeah. works for you may not work for other people who want to avoid certain things. I, I, I don't think it's as bad as it could be. That's not as good as it could be, obviously. That's um, true. I mean, it's very, it's very subjective. And, you know, and since somebody out there brought it up, I wasn't going to shill it myself. But you know, somebody <laughs> said, does anyone use totalleave.com? That's where I keep track of dev posts and blogs. Well, we built totalleave because I got tired of having bookmarks to like all kinds of sources, right? One of the things that we have out there is a section that is the dev blog. So any dev blog that comes out will be put there. We also have the 10 most recent dev posts. We've got CSM posts and things like that. Um, you know, you know, so in, you know, in a way to try to, you know, put it all in one sort of dashboard, um, you know, you know, where you can track these things. So, yeah. All right. So that's it for the new forums. Um, we'll see how they work out. I think it's going to be very interesting to watch. I do think it'll have ramifications for the meta Eve, but not really the game, which is what, uh, Killer B was talking about. He wants to see more resources uh, from the company towards the game. It's one thing to hire a dev to be able to do, uh, this type of work and a different thing to hire a dev, you know, to do game design and stuff like that. It also feels like game design might be something that's not a matter of how many devs you have, but really... Um, no, it's really about coding. Game the ideas, like, yeah. 
when 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 Fozzy and when Larrikin were hired, both of them had basically no experience in game design. Well, not not a lot, anyways. They were just uh, hired because they were very popular players and they knew a lot about the game, right? Like both of them were very into the game, and uh, but none of them, well, they learned some. But when they started out, both of them weren't really coders or something. It's really about people that can actually code that CCP needs right now. It's not about game designers because the, basically the, all the game designers do is know, come up with something and then tell the coders what they want and then the coders implement it into the game somehow, right? So they just they just need people that can actually code whatever language CCP uses. I don't know if they still use Python, but yeah, whatever, like that. They also need more designers. The, the, some of them, there's that's also a need. Yeah, is it? But designers, is it kind of like you can add more chefs to the operation and it, it just scales better? Like you get more stuff done or is it actually... I wish that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think on the whole game designing part, like I'm really happy that Larrikin is kind of uh, doing lots of stuff now as well because uh, I've I always want like a counterpart to Fozzy because you can clearly see in the way that Fozzy and his team designed the game that they're very well, like, um, like they're very focused on the play styles that uh, they used to like when they were playing the game themselves, right? Because a lot of those play, a lot of those members of those teams are former Eve players. And you can really see the way that they like to play the game and they're developing in that way, or they want the way to go that direction. And I wish that CCP would hire some counterparts. And Larrikin is kind of a counterpart because Larrikin was involved in, uh, you know, in the bigger fleet fights, in the super carrier fights. Um, so it's good, but I wish he would hire some more, some people that can stand up to Fozzie's small scale uh, craziness sometimes. Because it's getting a little bit tiresome. I don't know. You think the, the game direction is going too far into small gang realms and uh i, I, don't I mean think it's, it's, it's been shifted like i said i think the i think compared to when when uh, agisoft or frozisoft was released to where, where the changes we've seen over the last couple um last couple well last year i say i guess since since the citadel patch have been overall great like there's some major flaws with the whole citadel mechanics and stuff but the general idea behind citadels and the, the general idea behind the whole citadel patch the way they changed the capitals those are good like those are very good things now they just need to tweak those citadels they need to change them in the way that they are better for the game because right now they're pretty bad in a pretty bad spot so it's going the right direction now they just need to not you know that's what i'm saying like right now they always say yes we are aware of these issues with the citadels we are aware of the issues with the void bombs and stuff but right now on our roadmap we just want to focus on getting all the structures out there so what they do is they give us all the new structures and they just kind of leave them untouched until all of them are out there which can i don't know how long it's going to take like mid 2018 or something and then they're going to look at it and i i think you know that that might be the wrong approach maybe you want to get them out, get like a batch out. Like now we've got the uh, industry complexes, we've got the citadels. This, in my opinion, this would have been a great point to take their time, look back at what the citadels and the industry complexes, what the issues are with those, fix those in the way that, you know, the people are happy with them or most of them anyways. And then you could look at the moon mining thing. Cause right now, if they, they implement the moon mining changes and all that, it's going to be it's going to bring up a whole new set of issues that just going to pile on top of the issues that they already have. Instead of taking cuts in their roadmap, like Citadel's industry complex cut, use maybe use like three months to fix those, then bring out moon mining platforms and refineries cut, use three months to fix those, then bring out gates and whatever else, and then use some time to fix those. Because right now we're just, you know, everybody's kind of getting annoyed, which we saw 
two weeks ago on Reddit when everything exploded, which is really just, you know, a, a stock up on, on people being mad about stuff. Um, it's just, you know, Citadels are just really stupid right now. Like, I yeah, don't know, so, man. So it's a, it, you're saying all that anger is a symptom of, and not unlike uh, 2011, a symptom of people feeling like things are being neglected in the game at the expense of other things. And um, no, I think, well, yeah. In this case, I don't know that it's so much about neglect, right? But it is an extremely long process that we've been going through here now. Um, you know, in remember the NullSec changes began around about, uh, I don't know, the announcement I think was something like October 2014. Um, you know, so you began with first the Phoebe jump changes, right? And then you rolled into Fozzy Sov and, uh, you know, and then you rolled into structures and capital changes that, you know, the structures thing is taking an incredibly long time. And I think you've got people out there that are sort of waiting for it to be finally done, but it's been going on for a long time and people have been waiting for a long time. So you've got this sort of underlying foundation of whatever was building out there. And then you see it erupt with some issues that maybe were not as significant as as what they seemed at the time, but that's because people were ready to light off about something. Right. Yeah, and it looks like uh, Aerith is peppering the chat channel with. We should just have him in here. Um, different. Yeah, I didn't want to kick off a whole talk. Like I didn't want to kick off like another one hour of discussion. No, cl there. clearly it still needs to be discussed. Maybe we'll do the next show on going back to um, some of the problems that people are having with CCP. I just um, it's late in the show. We need to kind of wrap it up even though we got a little late start, we're actually past the hour and a half that we usually allot. Um, but uh, let's, let's, let's pick this up. Uh, Aerith, jump on the meta show. I'm going to be on there if you want to uh, talk about some of these things. Um, all right, so the last thing I guess, we'll wrap it up here, is to see if you guys have anything you guys want to say. I will say one last thing. We are monitoring a situation in the drone regions where uh, Legion of XX Death is getting supercaps killed by another Russian group uh, that is Losechnia. Uh, INN is on the scene monitoring yeah, the we're, on, we're on the scene. Uh, Re refugees are forming at the gate. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing funny about refugees, but that that analogy is funny. Um, yeah, renters are getting uh, killed and the defense fleet that's supposed to take care of their area is actually getting killed too by a very effective group of like mercenary, uh, you know, uh, soldiers. So uh, you guys have anything you want to say to about anything any plugs or anything no uh, i'm excited for uh, alliance tournament oh yeah actually i i'll plug my video because i'm putting out a video uh today at like 8 p.m about the alliance tournament sweet I've, I've worked on with my co-commentators so i'm pretty happy awesome yeah alliance tournament coming soon dirk uh, no i was just gonna say i want to uh well okay so um um eve northeast is coming up uh it's like july 23rd or something like that it's gonna be a few days up in northeast pennsylvania the tickets are still on sale for that um but i do want to give a shout out to freaking wolf glenn for another 50 dollars donation this week to the matterall fund <laughs> the matterall lawnmower fund <laughs> that, that's awesome lots of drinks for you guys that is a really generous it's done that like three times in a row or more i don't know or anyway fantastic the second week in a row for you yeah we have a lot of followers too uh this time around carneros can i bother you to read those Thank you for the follows to Altagras, Bafugli, Big Papa 1975, Vassardoc, Parsius, Alex Gets Ranked, good for him, Tom <laughs> Blues, Master Pettit, and you know it too. Right. And, and the, thank uh, you to Wolf Glenn. Yeah. Also the, Evlog, also the Evlog for, uh, for hosting with uh, something like 48 viewers. What's up, Jimmy? Oh. 
Thanks very much for uh, turning viewers on to this show. Um, that is going to wrap it up for talking in stations this week. Well, I got week. one more thing. Oh, please. Yeah. So uh, shout out to Triumvirate last night. Uh, they showed up at a POS bash that Brave was doing. We had a good old-fashioned cap flight. It was pretty much even back and forth, and I'm happy to report that Brave deployed its entire super fleet into the fight, and it did not die. So um, good fight to Triumvirate. Uh, more good fights like that. And then uh, I have something to give away today. So back in the day, uh, oh, wow. the Nidhogger was the uh, repping machine of choice. And so uh, I had this license plate frame made for it. Uh, now Nidhogger does not rep anymore, so it's not on my car. Now I have a Minakawa uh, license plate frame. But I'm giving this away to any Nidhogger pilot who is a USAN that has a license plate this framed. So the first person I get an email from to dunkdinkle at gmail.com. I will send this to you and you can put it on your car. And all I ask is when you put it on your car, put a picture up that uh, you're actually put it into use. So that's my giveaway for today. Yeah, you know, it's a license plate frame that says what my 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 other It says my other car is a Nidhogger. But I don't fly <laughs> Nidhoggers awesome. anymore. I fly Minakawas now, so Nice. Oh, that's hilarious. I like that you're passing it on. You're not just uh, driving so, it. So they need to send you an in-game email? Is that what you're saying? No, no, just a, a, just a regular email to dunkdinkle at gmail.com. And whoever the first one that I see in my inbox, I'll send it to you in the mail. That's awesome, Dunk. And that, and that you should know that when Dunk shows up at meetups, he has uh, a suitcase of friendship, he calls it, uh, with liquor inside. And he's constantly giving away things uh, all meetup long at eVegas. He's a pro-level shot, shot uh, pourer. Yes, and I also encourage everyone to go to eVegas. It's going to be a good time. I've actually been to the link already to see what it's like. I think it's going to be nice. It's a good bar, place people to hang out. So please come to eVegas. Even if you're shy, people reach out to you. Uh, people will be welcoming there, and you'll find your tribe. Oh, you did recon, huh? I made a video of it if you haven't watched it. Yep. Yeah, let's, let's put that in chat. I want to see that. We'll, uh, we'll check it out. All right. Uh, thanks very much. We went a little over. Uh, this has been a great show talking about Providence and other things that are coming. Thanks very much for listening in and uh, checking in. And uh, we will see you next week on Talking In Stations. <laughs>